It's the 21st of December, 2020. It's a Monday. We've all come together with this intention to develop our minds. Seeing that the mind is um, something which receives these sense impressions. It's a natural object that receives these aramanas. And if our minds are imbued with mindfulness and wisdom, then they'll also have knowledge. They'll be able to know all of these sense impressions as they're happening. But if we don't train the mind, if we don't practice, um, then it will become afflicted by ignorance, by craving and attachment, and these will cover over the mind. And in that case, the more sense impressions that we experience, then the more deluded the mind becomes. And the more deluded it is, then the more suffering that we feel in our hearts. But no heart wishes to experience the suffering, and everyone wishes for happiness. It's just that when the causes for that suffering is present, and then the mind will experience suffering. And so this happens when the heart is devoid of wisdom. And so the Buddha taught us, and from the very uh, early stages of the practice, that he realized that we still have the sense of self because we're deluded. And so if we were to teach us um, about a very high Dhamma, uh, that the body, that uh, feelings, memories, um, thoughts, and sense consciousness are not self, yeah, anatta, we probably wouldn't be able to see that or truly understand it. So he taught from the very beginning these practices of generosity, of keeping virtue well which really just means to have kindness. And so he taught us about this, to um, have metta, and that we are generous, that we have this quality of sacrifice, that we share the happiness that we have and give that to others, because all beings wish for happiness. No one wants suffering. Those who receive the gifts that we give feel happy, And those who give, they get to reduce the amount of greed in their hearts. So this practice of generosity and of sacrifice is something that most of us do a lot. And once we cultivate this greatly, then in the end we'll gain wisdom. We see that the wealth that we have externally in this world is something that we just depend on temporarily. That we need it for this life. Uh, we need to use it for this life in this world, but we can't take it beyond that. So we just use it in a manner that's appropriate, uh, that's just right. And we use it to care for our bodies when they develop illnesses. We use it in a way that's frugal. And we also leave one part aside to donate. Perhaps we give uh, some away to social 
causes to benefit society or to renunciants give it to hospitals or to care for the elderly or the poor. And so all of these manners of giving uh, produce merit. A higher level of generosity from this is the level of giving our forgiveness. And this is a generosity that we produce in our hearts. Because it's normal for us that we experience anger due to the sense of self that we have. And then when this anger comes up, it's natural for ill will to arise. There'll be thoughts of wishing to hurt and to harm. And the mind proliferates in this manner. If we see something or hear something that we don't like, then anger can quickly arise. And this can uh, go further into ill will. This comes from wrong view. And also if we experience something that's pleasurable, then the mind starts thinking along the lines of uh, being satisfied with that or liking it. And this is also a form of delusion. So the giving of our forgiveness is something that's very important and something that brings our minds to peace. And if we train in this, um, then the heart will experience rapture and joy. And this helps to suppress the feelings of anger and ill will that would otherwise be there. Because anger is something that makes the heart dry and withered, but joy uh, makes the heart moist and fresh. So these are qualities that oppose each other. So when we have intelligence and wisdom, then we'll know how to be generous. We'll be interested in it. We'll offer food to the monks on alms round, or perhaps we'll come to the monastery, listen to Dhamma talks, we'll start chanting. And these days, perhaps, some people don't have the opportunity to come physically, but with the development of communication technology and uh, the internet and social media, um, it's possible to do this online. We can chant by ourselves at home, can take up uh, the precepts from our houses. So we try to um, keep this quality of kindness as the basis for our hearts, as a natural quality that abides in our minds. And for those people who have some more wisdom, then they'll be interested in developing or creating more merit. And we can do this through sila. And so the five precepts is a quality or a level of precepts that can take us to the state of sotapanna. And Sotapanna is someone who has fallen into the flow of the Dhamma. And so how is this good? What's the benefit of this? Well, Sotapannas have closed the lower states of existence. So it's not possible for them to fall down into hell or into the hungry ghost or the animal realms. And they don't have an eighth life. Normally we say that there's just seven lives left, or no more than seven, but the way that Lumpur Cha phrased it was 
there's no eighth life. And within the space of time, they become arahants, someone who has purified their minds. And when the mind is pure, there's no further suffering that it experiences. So Sotapanas do still have some stress, but it's less than what it was before. Because they've seen into the nature of physicality and mentality, and they're able to change their views. But now, however, for us, our minds view these things as a self. We see them as being animals, as beings, as us, as other. And ever since the time we were born, we've had this feeling with us in our hearts. We've always taken things personally. We feel that this is my mother, my father, my brothers and sisters, my friends. This is my family, and uh, this is my country, and that's another country. And this just gives rise to attachment. And so Sotapanas have been able to uh, see through this. They see that uh, this physicality, or the, the form, this body, that's Vedana, feeling, and also memory or perception, and mental formations, and sense consciousness, that these things are inconstant and they're beyond our control. They're not a true self. They are a self, but only through convention. They're just something that the mind comes to rely upon. Just like we have one house for our bodies to reside in, and that's what we call our home. And so the mind takes this body as its residence. It's just that when we don't have samadhi, then we won't be able to see this clearly. All of these things will get mixed together and we'll see them as being the same thing. And so the Buddha taught us, and uh, he said, well, if we still have the sense of self, um, then we need to uh, try to train that sense of self. Need to train it so that it doesn't harm ourselves, it doesn't harm others. And we do that through the practice of generosity and of keeping these five precepts. We don't cause anyone, any being, harm. Just as we have possessions that we are fond of, and we don't want anyone to take that away from us, and so we don't act that way towards any other beings. And just as we have the people that we love, and we don't want others to take them, and so we don't take others' loved ones. And we all want the truth. We all want to listen to speech that is pleasant, that's not divisive. We all want to have mindfulness and a clear comprehension in a level that's normal. And so we get this through the keeping of the five precepts. And some people have a lot of faith, and they say they want to develop or uh, create even more merit than what they are already. They want to build halls or different uh, things to offer uh, to the monks. Uh, but they don't feel like they have the money to be able to do that. What they can do instead is to keep the precepts well. 
because the keeping of the precepts is not harming of anyone uh, through our body and speech. This is um, a good form of merit that we can create. And that we have speech that is pleasant to listen to. And so we should all train ourselves in this path. Train the mind to have metta as its abiding quality, or as its foundation. So we have metta, and then there's also karuna, compassion. That when we see others who are in difficulty or in suffering, that we wish to help them. And we do so in line with the energy that we have. So when we have mindfulness and uh, wisdom, then we'll be able to uh, keep our sila well, and our speech uh, should be pleasant and good speech. And even though we've done this, uh, we're generous and we are virtuous, and still the mind can be chaotic. And some people may ask us, well, why is your mind like this? You go to the monastery so much, you sit in meditation, you listen to the Dhamma, so why are you still angry? Why can't you just give these things up? But it's just natural that we can't give them all up yet. We're not able to abandon them. Because we're still in the stage where we're in training. In our mindfulness, it's not enough. And so it's just normal for anger to come up sometimes. And when there's no samadhi in the heart, then we just feel all of these unpleasant feelings. There can be a lot of anger. And we may not be able to look at other people in the eyes uh, because our anger just shoots out through our eyes. But still we try to keep restraint. We try to speak well and we try to speak pleasant things and try to maintain this goodness um, through uh, keeping our actions in line with sila. And so this is uh, the stage of practice while we're still developing and still trying to keep restraint. And this uh, restraint of our body and speech, um, it means that both our actions of body and the words that we say, they become peaceful. Um, but even so, there's still a feeling that we have of the self, that there's really a me there, and this feeling is very strong. So therefore we need to come to train ourselves in samadhi, to sit in meditation. And this gives us an even higher level of happiness, that which we get from a peaceful heart. And through meditating, through keeping our minds on an object. And so cultivating the heart through using these meditation objects um, well, it's important to make sure that we're coming from a place of kindness, that we have these divine abidings of kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity as the foundation of our hearts while we're meditating. Because these are the qualities that care for our minds. And so whatever we do in our meditation, whether we are looking or watching our breath, whether we're contemplating into death, we need to make sure that this quality of kindness is established first. 
And this will help uh, samadhi to grow. Um, this quality of metta um, aids our practice of meditation. Because it's the nature of the mind to have a sense of self. And when it does this, then there'll be conceit that comes naturally from that. Seeing ourselves as being higher than others, or equal to others, or lower than others. That uh, we have these feelings when we have a sense of self. And so we should train ourselves, train our minds to gain knowledge, and to have the mindfulness and wisdom to be able to teach ourselves and to make ourselves humble, to make ourselves just like an old rag. That normally we think that we have a lot of value, a lot of, uh, that we're a very kind of grand uh, thing. But this way of thinking just leads us to suffer. But if we don't think in that way, um, then we won't suffer so much. And why do we see ourselves as being so grand? Because when we die, they just throw us away, or they just burn this body. So sometimes there are monks who are senior, but they really attach to that seniority. And this is a kind of conceit as well, because really this is just convention. Um, and we're practicing as monks to abandon conceit. And if we attach to the number of years that were spent in the robes, then this will cause us to suffer. Through the vinaya, this is how we practice, and this is how we take things, but in truth, or if we're talking in terms of vimuti or liberation, we're all equal. So these brahma-viharas of kindness, of compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity give us the energy that allows us to care for our hearts and maintain samadhi, uh, for it to be strong. When we have the samadhi and peace, then there'll also be joy, rapture that fills up the heart, and we feel very at ease internally. Even though before we may have experienced a lot of anger, but now the heart is very peaceful. It feels lighter than it was before, and we gain a confidence in this way of practice. And confidence in the points of practice that the awakened teacher always emphasize. And mainly that when the mind is peaceful, this will allow us to let go, to abandon, and us to contemplate so that we see both the body and the mind as empty. And we understand this to one degree. And when we do so, then the kindness and compassion that we have will increase. And so kindness is a quality that we try to always have with us. And when we see someone suffering, then that kindness turns into compassion and that we want to help relieve their suffering. But we try to maintain this metta with us all the time, wishing for ourselves and others to be happy. So now that we have this opportunity to practice, we should use it to meditate, to cultivate our minds, to bring them to peace. We can chant, we can meditate and do this a lot, try to develop samadhi a lot. And when the mind is peaceful, then we can contemplate into the body, seeing it as something unattractive. And if we have sufficient peace, we'll be able to see that clearly. 
And we contemplate that it's a, just a combination of different elements of earth, water, fire, and air. And we should be able to understand this well. So we have mindfulness teaching the mind, um, teaching us that these things are not self. And then it should be able to listen. It should become uh, something that's malleable, that's teachable. But if there's no peace in the heart, then it just won't listen. It's like a very stubborn child. So through the establishment of samadhi, then wisdom can arise and knowledge can arise. And we can begin to understand the Dhamma. We can see the Dhamma, the truth. And uh, this is how uh, people attain to the level of Sotapanna. But before attaining to the fruits of Sotapanna, there's the path that um, leads there. There's the path of the Sotapanna. So when we have confidence in the practice, um, then we should really put our efforts into it. And when we see the Dhamma, then there won't be any doubts. We won't feel like we need to ask um, any questions about it. Because we have this path of practice, and we know that it will take us to seeing the Dhamma for sure. And the mind will steadily follow this way, and become, uh, it becomes more and more collected, until all of the path factors collect in and work in harmony. And at this point, then, the heart... <clears throat> the heart abides above the world. But this relies upon our initial training that we do right from the very beginning stages. And really the practice of generosity, it's not easy. It's something that has a lot of value because it's the path that takes us to seeing the Dhamma. And when we see the Dhamma very deeply, then we'll attain to the Dhamma we'll be able to let go of all physicality and mentality. We see that whenever there's attachment to anything, then our heart suffers. So we abandon that attachment, and our mind will follow this way of practice. Mindfulness becomes complete and full, and then we have wisdom that's able to destroy the delusion in the mind. So the developing of merit, the cultivating of merit that we do, is a great form of goodness. And it's something that's really important. It's not just uh, something insignificant. It can be really an incredible thing. It's something that we should give our respect to, because it requires faith. And the faith that we have, it's no small matter. So we put our effort in. Um, in order to be able to realize this inner nature of awakening within our hearts. But if we don't seek for that, then we won't meet it. It's just like there's fire in two rocks, but if we don't strike them together, then we won't meet that. But wise people tell us there's fire there, but however much we look at them, we don't see it. It requires our effort in striking them together for a spark to arise. So there is this Buddha in our hearts, but if we don't put in the effort, then we might ever see that Buddha. So we, we need to um, set our hearts on this practice. But we have this uh, faith is something that is amazing. 
And for monks to come and ordain, it requires a lot of faith. And for those who are able to stay for many reigns, maybe for three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, it's no small thing. It's not easy. It requires wisdom to one degree. And that we have to see uh, the danger in the cycle of samsara, the danger in the chaos of the world. And the benefits of bringing about peace in our hearts and following this way of practice. So when we do gain this inner peace, then there'll be joy, we'll feel a great fullness in our hearts, and through this wisdom can arise. So we should all try to train ourselves and do this every day, to not be heedless at all, seeing that life is not sure, but death is certain. And we can see this all around right now with the pandemic that's spread all over the world. And we don't know when it's going to come to us. We just can't know that. But these things are closing in on us. And sickness is coming in. And we see that many millions of people have contracted this virus already. And so illness and death is closing in on us. So we should try to see the Dhamma before we die. We should try to die before we die, which means that we die from the ego. We allow the sense of self to die away. So may all of you be sincere in your practice.